aren't even half a month into 2022, but Toronto FC have wasted absolutely no time in getting their New Year's resolutions going. One of them is clearly to once again be considered a giant in MLS after the blockbuster signing of Lorenzo Insigne was made official. But we've seen and anticipate uh, a bunch of other moves as the club begins its roster overhaul. My name is Mitchell Tierney. This is Waking the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks. And ahead on today's show, Joshua Cloak of The Athletic will join us to discuss Insigne, Richie, Dom Dwyer, maybe some Canadian Premier League as well. We've got so, so much to get into on this week's show. So without further ado, Jeffrey Pinesker, Michael Singh, we've got the band back together and I don't think there's a better week to do it. So guys, what did I miss? You know, just give me the Coles notes. Like, uh, what happened? Uh, you know, nothing, nothing major. Fantastic. No, it's yeah, be an easy no, show nothing, then. Nothing yeah. major been happening <laughs> and I don't expect anything else major to be happening. So nah. Yeah. Get comfy, Jeff. You're good. This is it, guys. This is it. Yeah. We're just rolling. We're rolling with the with the band again. So yeah. Right. Going yeah. for uh I mean putting together even the sup, man. The, the rundown for today's show. I mean, there just kept being little things we had to add and even some stuff we had to remove just because it was like, we're not gonna get time to talk about that. Like we don't <laughs> we don't yeah, have enough no. time on this week's show. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's been it's been a wild, wild week for Toronto FC, for Canadian soccer in general, as we'll get into. I mean, and obviously it starts with Lorenzo Insigne made official. Last week on the show, it was basically official. Like, we all knew it was going to happen, so uh, we don't have to double down on too many things. But what we do know now is that it's a four-year deal that is expected to pay around $15 million per year between contract and bonuses. Um, the stat that really stood out to me on that is that is more than 21 MLS clubs played their entire <laughs> roster last year. So that's just a sign of the, I guess, you know, backbone that MLSE has and the investment they made in this player. And I, I think the one thing that kind of stood out to me as well from everything Bill Manning has said on this was, this was something that we continually talk about on this show, but the the rising tide lifts all boats thing. Mm-hmm. Because... Manning has fully acknowledged that a big part of this is the fact that soccer is right now reaching that apex of popularity in Canada between the the two national teams and the success they've had and building towards 2026. Like this is, this is a team that wants to be at the center of that conversation. And they had to do something big to get back into that conversation because we all know, I mean, we've been talking about this team, but we've been struggling to find positive or, or exciting things to talk about this team for the past year. This is finally a, a massive one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said it over and over again. Sorry, Mike, I don't mean to interrupt. Go no, ahead. Go ahead. I, think I mean, I've said it before. I've said it again. And, and uh, I don't want to, I absolutely don't want to step on, on Josh's toes when he arrives, but this breaks, this breaks MLS. I mean, you know, the, this might be the end of the DP rule because it is, as you said, ridiculous. I mean, the, the cost that we're laying out for, for Lorenzo betters 21 teams in the league. It, you know, there's, Something something's rotten in the hen house. So um it, it'll be interesting to see how this ripples through MLS because you know it, it, paying attention to the roster rules and the manifestations and the and the draconian nonsense is part of the fun here, guys. So you know it it, it watching watching what this does and the knock-on effect it's gonna have throughout the league, I think is 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 like a double feature with with the signing itself because Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, there are so many butthurt non Toronto FC fans out there all across the globe, especially uh, with respect to other MLS teams. Um, the amount of hand waving, uh, the amount of, yeah, well, you know, you could spend that money and get like five Nico Hasslers or whatever the case may be has just been fantastic to watch. And, uh, and, uh, 
the one thing that I will say is that there's a part of me that still doesn't actually believe that this is happening. I got to be honest, guys, until I see him out there on the field, I'm reserving a certain about 25 to 30% for shenanigans. Like this could just be one elaborate troll. It's, it's that kind of deal, you know? Yeah. It's the type of deal that gets fans back into the seats guys. And I think that's such a big aspect of, of this signing and you know bill manning talked about his his five-year plan that he pitched to the mlc board that i'm sure a lot of people have heard about right now and it started by getting a superstar and that superstar of course was lorenzo insigne and that's the guy that he said was at the top of his list and it sounds like tfc did go out and, and they got their guy which is absolutely great news for for fans of the game not only in toronto not only in canada but as just you're kind of alluding to it's great for the league yeah. And it kind of pushes that envelope as Mitch, you wrote a really good piece about that, about how TFC continues to kind of change the game here and push the envelope, which is, again, like that's that's how we have to be thinking. And then you, you kind of go into a scenario in this like this and think, why not? Why not go out there and, and get a guy like Lorenzo Insigne, who's, you know, like Manning keeps saying that he's in his prime, but I, I think he's kind of towards the end of his prime. I'm not sure if he's going to be quite the player he was like two, three years ago. Um, but he still is absolute like world class, great quality, Proper, I mean, elite, proper elite, elite. like exactly. properly elite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was the best player on the field for that Napoli Juventus game, which I'm sure had a record number of Toronto FC fans. <laughs> um, and what I really uh, liked about his game, and I think will translate really well in, in Major League Soccer, is how direct he is as well. He's, and he gets uh, injured all the time, so he's perfect for us, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <it's pretty> <laughs> but no, he, he's a guy who is really good at skipping a pass and kind of going over to that the next guy. And I think in Major League Soccer in particular, that, that works. If you're cheating off your defender, or if your defender's cheating off you by two yards, three yards, Insignia is going to find that space in behind mm-hmm. him. Now you kind of got to have, have to find the way to fit the pieces around him. And I think that's such an important thing that can't be understated is, is given Signe now pieces to work with. And Manning said that he is going to do that. He said, you know, he essentially said that he told Insigne that he's going to do that. And Insigne is the type of guy who, who wants to win. He's a winner. He was the captain of Napoli. And that's, that can't be updated in terms of how much, uh, I guess how important that is that they're bringing in a guy right now who who has that leadership as opposed to taking a flyer on a guy with the lots of talent but you know question marks uh about his his off-field you know ethic and so i think that that was a, a couple things that kind of checked the boxes and of course the major thing is, is that uh they get a really damn good player that they can build around so i'm excited to see kind of how yeah where it goes from this go ahead jeff well i mean look you know he might he might change he might shift the pendulum like he might undress mls defenders so so mercilessly (laughs) that other clubs now have to spend higher on defense do you know what i mean that's the potential here like that's what i say when i say it breaks the world um you know i do have a concern how many former captains do we now have on our roster that like (laughs) captain their 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 previous clubs and as much as people will pretend that it doesn't matter what does that do to a locker room having a guy on the squad that makes more than 21 other teams, you know, that's gotta have an effect. Uh, it, you know, again, do, let me um, ask you this then. Do you think mm-hmm. it has a positive effect or a negative effect? 
I wouldn't be mentioning it if I didn't think there was a potential for a negative effect in the locker room. I think it can have both, like if especially if you read Grant Wall's pretty great book, The Beckham Experiment. Like there was a lot of, I mean, the, the, back then, I guess it's kind of similar in terms of the numbers, but like in terms of like percentage wise disparity. But back then, like the disparity was ridiculous where Beckham was making mm. 7.5 mil. He had teammates there that were making like literally yeah, 12 grand yeah. a year. <laughs> I'm not even kidding, like 12 grand a year to play soccer. So like the, the, there's obviously a disparity there, but the, the leadership aspect is actually one of the most important things in this deal, I think, because if Insigne comes in and is a leader and puts his head down and takes this super seriously and wants to win championships and like who in that locker room can like, I don't know, like be a big man or like, like screw off and training. Like if you've got Lorenzo and senior making 15 million playing like that, like that just sets the tone for, for everything else. And the other thing about this deal that's massive is just, <laughs> the, just the intent. What a comment. What was the Hold comment? On. If they want to get paid, like in senior, they got to play. They have to be as good as Insigne. I love true. it. <laughs> well, I mean, there, I mean that ignores point. the Euro snobbery and 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 Napoli being, you know, it, 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 it's certainly a bit more binary than than, than reality. But uh, but yeah, and and then we had another comment here. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I trust I trust Bob, our, you know, friend of the show, a, a fellow colleague, staffer, uh, Matthew uh, says I trust Bob to handle that. He handled Vela fine. You realize that Insigne's contract outlives Bob's contract, and I'm sure he's making more than the gaffer. So, you know, my concerns, I, I, I still have these concerns. I, you know, it's it, it, MLS is so weird this way, right? Like, we, it, it's not like football works anywhere else. And so no one can really answer this question because there aren't teams where there's this humongous disparity between your marquee player and your jobber guy. And, and we're human beings. I mean, I appreciate that there's a professionalism that comes to play here, but to say that it's not even a po- in the realm of possibility, I think is, is, is entirely short-sighted. So let's, let's just see, you know, this guy's, as, I mean, I've read that Insignia has his own rep at the club. Right, so he's got his own staff. For member. not just not just Insigne, mm-hmm. it's for going to be a couple players that are going to be coming in, not just yeah. Insigne. Okay. To, to be to be fair, also like to go back to the LA Galaxy point, like they did win what three MLS Cups during the time Beckham was there, at least two. So sure, sure. It, it like and it's very it's it's again there are so many parallels to draw between that. Again, Beckham was perhaps more transformational in the sense that they literally made a rule for it, but this is on the same level in the sense that this. I is like I agree, and that's. Player. That's why I'm saying this may break the DP rule because like how much more can you bend this before it starts to become absolutely ridiculous? Do you know what I mean? Uh, so so that that's what I'm looking out for. Guys, Josh yeah, is here. Just enjoy a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, I'm listen, I'm doing backflips, man. I'm doing yeah. backflips, but I've had two weeks to 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 bring the pain. I just want to bring a bit of pain. That's what I do, guys. I, you know, little what? little little sugar to help the medicine go down. One last thing, and, and we can bring Josh on, I guess, while, while I say this, but I did want to mention like what this signing means in in the sense that like if you're paying a guy fifteen million dollars, like you're not just doing that to get back into being a contender or get back into a playoff role. Like you expect trophies and a lot of them and continental trophies. Like this this is a move that indicates Toronto FC are going back to that point. But uh, yeah, great mm-hmm. to be joined by Joshua Cloak of the Athletic. Thanks so much for for taking the time during <laughs> this crazy, crazy time for Toronto FC and how's it going, guys? In general, 
Yeah, how's it going? Good, Josh. Thanks. Thanks for for joining us. Really. Yeah, of course, it. of course. Looking forward to this a lot. Obviously, a very exciting time, as Mitch is saying, for for TFC fans, and a very important time for, for the what? club in general. Why? What happened? <laughs> Iowa he stole my joke. Uh, yeah, they signed a they signed a uh, a good Italian player, uh, Luca Petrasco. Yeah, yeah. Sure uh, Shane O'Neill. I've I've heard a lot of good things about this guy. I think he might slot in capably as our fourth string center right, back. So, right. yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, I think at this I think at this point you could slot in at fourth string center back. <laughs> <laughs> you've never you've never seen me play, Josh. You're going to take that back right away, my friend. That probably yeah, doesn't yeah. matter given the state. Of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I think uh, I think obviously Lorenzo Insigne is the the name on everyone's mind, and he's going to be a Toronto FC player come July. How in the world did the club pull this off, Josh? Uh, persistence, I think, and um, you know, a, a wallet that is probably far bigger than you know the four of us kind of put together. Um, <laughs> I, I think there was a number of factors that that played into it, but. I, you know, I think if you go back, um, it's interesting. If you kind of go back and look at the the history of, of um, designated player signings under Bill Manning, and not just like not just since Bill Manning arrived in 2015, but under Bill Manning in particular, um, a lot of them have been misses, right? Josie Altidore's uh, re-up, a miss. Um, Pia- Pablo Piatti, a, a big swing and a miss. Jefferson Soteldo, you know, not a clear miss, but not great by any means. Alejandro Pozuelo, out of the park. So I think if you're Bill Manning, you really, 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 really need not just a, a win, but, you know, like a grand slam here. So the fact that, you know, they this has been kind of something that, that Bill Manning has been thinking about um, since September um, you know, when, when Toronto FC are in the midst of um, a six game losing streak, um, I think it's pretty clear as well. You know, I was thinking you go back to that loss against Inter Miami, they lose one nil, um, in like the 95th minute. And it's yeah, to me, that just felt one. Yeah. Right. But like no, the, me, the one where, where Inter was coming off like seven game losing skid and we're the worst team in the universe. Yeah, I think. And, and yeah. so the club then to me, like, I remember thinking at that point and this, I'm, you know, this isn't crystal ball stuff but I just remember thinking at that point like I don't I don't remember it being this bad for the club like 2012 2013 were bad but if you look at the roster they had and in particular the real paltry attendance numbers mm-hmm. that that bothers a lot of people at MLSC because you know even at their worst Toronto FC could count on that kind of the gate the fan support if that's not there you need to regroup in a really, really big way. Bill Manning didn't shy away from the fact that he want he wanted a player who would resonate with the local community, Toronto's Italian community. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I was reading recently, Toronto has, I think, the third or fourth most number of Italians in a city outside of Italy. Um, so all of it points to the need to go really really big right like if you would have brought in a a a good player but one without name recognition it's not going to carry weight right toronto fc Mm -hmm. have fallen off and i think you know bill manning put it politely in his press conference they've lost a buzz in the marketplace i would say they've 
kind of cratered and fallen off. Yeah, flat line. Yeah, and and so you need to go big. And to do that, you need to open up your wallet. Um, I don't think this would have been capable without, you know, Bill selling his vision to to MLSE. I don't think this would have been capable without him saying, we we need to spend big to to kind of earn big. Um, And it took persistence. It took a few trips to Italy. Um, but yeah, to me, it's persistence and money. And I think that's kind of why we are where we are right now. Hmm. For sure. And we know that TFC has always been really good at, at selling players at coming here. You know, they've, they've gotten big players in the past and they put together good, good selling points. But I guess in your opinion, I know based on what you've said, and, and I agree with you that for, it was absolutely the right time for Bill Manning in particular to make this signing. I mean, the pressure is kind of been on him a little bit to, to get things right so he had to absolutely swing for the fences but with the roster going over a huge overhaul yeah in your opinion josh was this the right time to go out there and get a player like lorenzo insigne yeah, that's a good question and it's a tricky one because you know i i debated with with my colleague sam about this on his, his podcast and his kind of argument was why not take that 15 million that you're going to pay, spread it out over the roster and you, you pay players, a, you know, a mil and a half. You're, you put together a really good, you know, roster, probably a championship caliber roster. Um, the, the issue with that, and I agree, like you're not going to find someone that's more in favor of um, equitable wealth distribution. That's maybe not the issue, but the issue, <laughs> the issue there to me is that, you probably won't see the dividends of that until playoff time, right? You're 100%. probably not going to see the dividends of that until they maybe make it to an MLS cup final. And that's a big gamble. I think the priority here was getting butts in the seats. The commercial uh, yeah, I, I really do. And and like, is Insigne like right now, you know, will he be the best player in MLS when he arrives? I think so. Right? Mm-hmm. Does does that win you a trophy alone? No. Um, we Not saw that. In tw- we saw that in 2015. We saw that in 2014. Yep. Right. Um, but I do think it, it. What it does in terms of roster building, it does um, kind of. I think the hope, if you're Toronto SC, is that there's kind of a ripple effect, and and that you can sell Toronto SC a little easier by selling the fact that you have Insigne and. You have the ability to to bring in players of his capability. Um, that's why I think you swing with the big one first. Um, you know, again, the, the comparables are there. Even if Jermaine Defoe didn't work out, what it did say, you know, it, in terms of kind of planting your your flag in the ground, yep. what it did say is we're a big club and we want to bring in big name players. Um, 100%. So, yeah, it's... And again, in terms of roster building, like you're going to have a guy earning $15 million a year. And now the the, the worry is that you're going to put a, a winger earning $67,000 a year beside him. <laughs> yep. Right? Like that's the concern. Yep. That's mm-hmm. the concern. Um, so roster building, the smartest decision or, or the most prudent, probably not. But I don't know if roster building was – you know, in terms of the priorities, I don't know if it was at the forefront for this decision. 100%. I, I mean, I, I I agree with you. This domino had to fall before anything else happened, right? Which is unfortunate, but it's the price tag that's associated with it. I'm going to throw you the lamest of lamest softball questions, Josh, but we have to do it. Um, okay. Is this the biggest signing in MLS history? 
No, I don't think so. Um, and and that's not that's that's no slag on the signing itself. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think the obvious ones are there. I think David Beckham was more transformational. Um, I even if you look at where the the if you look at where Insigne is, sure, it's it's right up there. But like, you know. I would say Zlatan was probably a bigger signing too, just because of mm-hmm. that, the, the brand recognition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is, he's a monster. <laughs> is, is he like, does he, does this, does this promise to be the best player ever signed? Like if you look at where he, he is or, or, or if you're Toronto FC where he hopefully will be in the summer. Yeah. I think that's an argument you could make, but I, how do you top David Beckham? I, it's so difficult I, 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 because the, the context is key, you, right? You like know. that transformed the league, and and we won't really know about this until um, we see the 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 effects of the deal, right? Um, but people, but people are are right. absolutely tagging this as the as the biggest signing in MLS history. Um, I I certainly think it's transformative. It's, 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 sorry, the, I should I should interject. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, I should I should interject. I I do think it has the the capability to be the biggest signing in league history because of where he's at in his career, which was different from where Beckham was at. Zlatan just feels like this immortal. And I don't know if he's a comparable, Uh, (laughs) but I mean, it's, I I do see similarities with the Defoe signing. Like Defoe was Mm -hmm. pushing, you know, like it's a little bit different when you look at like the state of like England's roster and in kind of in 2014, like Insigne should be on the, their world cup team if they make it um and that you know i know i've said this a few times but i think that's something that is a huge part of this deal if you get if italy make the world cup and toronto fc is mentioned on world cup broadcasts the italian national team you really 15 million dollars a year is a lot but you almost can't put a price on that Right, one hundred percent. That's the kind of brand recognition that you lay out for in a World Cup year. Yep, yep, the, without question. The, the Julio Cesar effect. <laughs> I'm glad. You, I'm glad you went there. I was thinking about that the other day. I remember um, that that game was it was it Chile Brazil. Uh, they I think the quarterfinals mm. in the World Cup. All I think of is Germany Brazil, and I don't ever <laughs> want to hear Julio Cesar's <laughs> name associated with TFC. But yeah, well, yeah. we we can do an entire <laughs> podcast on seven one. I'd be into that. But I, I you know, I remember that there was. A, I, I'm pretty sure there was a penalty shootout. I don't know if it was round of sixteen or. Um, anyway, I remember I was at a Jays game, and and I had popped up. I didn't want to watch it in front of people. I would popped up into the concourse to watch the penalties and i just remember someone tweeting i would wish i could find that tweet you know in in times of crisis in a penalty shootout always trust toronto fc's goalkeeper like it was, it was strange <laughs> to, it was strange to think yeah. about julio cesar uh, anyway um yeah also that comment couldn't possibly be more wrong that's the longest <laughs> right. tweet with respect to tfc yeah. ever <laughs> Well, guys, we've been talking a lot about a player who recently arrived at Toronto FC, but we are reaching the 24th minute of the show, which I think means we have to talk about a player who is departing Toronto FC, a player, a builder, a coach. Um, Danny Dicchio announcing after 15 years he's leaving the club. Obviously, the club's first ever goal scorer, spent time with, as an assistant coach, spent time with the academy for, for 10 years in kind of that Toronto FC 3 top academy team role. Um, a player who's obviously left 
plenty of legacy after his playing time with Toronto FC. Um, Josh, what is what has he meant to the club and what's his legacy here? Uh, I, I've always respected Deech's staying power. You know, I, I think there hasn't been, you know, when I think of uh, day oneers, and I remember when I was writing that, you know, my book on TFC, day oneers was a term that like people were really proud of, right? That was one that like people, you know, I, I've, I'm a day one season ticket holder. I'm, a, I'm an employee since day one. You know, Corey Ray was a day oneer. Uh, a lot of respect for Corey and, and Deech, you know, is, is, is to me, he's kind of one of those guys, a guy that, you know, was there in the hard times, stuck with it, stuck around and ha- had a pretty profound impact on a lot of players. You know, I don't think it should go, you know, undiscussed that, that, you know, he, he's he, he, some of his most important work he's remembered for the 24th minute, but he, you know, he mm-hmm. spent a lot of time coaching a lot of young players and, I think all three of you know how I feel about the importance of building a team out of the academy. And Absolutely. that's that that's having coaches that, that can build players is really important too. Uh, so that's kind of what I think of just his longevity, his staying power, right? What about you guys? I'm sad to see him go. I mean, I, I like the, the fact that TFC is, has, has been so good to some of its, uh, some of its greatest servants over the years. I mean, right. naturally onward and upward, if he's, if he's got something in mind that, you know, is, is a step up and he thinks it's time to go, I, you know, nobody stands in, in anybody's way of achievement, but it just, you know, it's an end of an era. So there's a certain bittersweetness to it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm with you though, there, Josh, in terms of how important he was to the Academy. Like when I was growing up playing, um, funny enough, Danny Dicchio was the guy at the academy that you kind of had to go through to crack the academy squad. So I know a lot of people who, who were trained by Danny Dicchio, who had a lot of experience, you know, with him. And yeah, he he absolutely deserves all the kudos there in terms of helping a lot of these young guys get to where they, they are today. So I think that is something that, you know, you can't gloss over. And, and yeah. I love that you kind of hit on that because... You know how you said. You know how important the academy is to you. I mean, it's just as important, if not more important, than TFC. And especially with the way the team is going now, where they're they're a team that wants to spend the salary cap and bring in a bunch of these young guys to kind of supplement the roster. And it's a good time for Canada soccer. And Danny Dicchio has been a huge, huge part of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. Okay, let's uh, let's let's get on with it. So we got a lot of mileage, Josh, on your uh, on your TFC twenty twenty one season prediction. I think you were the only person that we talked to that was like, maybe this year's not going to go so well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot again. Where do you think TFC lands this year? Uh, well, I mean, we still don't know what the roster looks like, but I mean, if if Insigne is any indication, they're 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 gonna make significant ads. Um, Fifth in the Eastern Conference feels right. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they didn't make the playoffs. And I'm glad you you recognize that. I mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't want to be Mister. I told you so, but like I think we could see. I was <laughs> well, you got the right. There. I, I was yeah yeah. yeah. I, this team kind of scared me going into the season. I think I think Insigne can win you a few games on his own. Okay, yep. so you're you're looking at. Like, honestly, I think he can, if he comes in okay, I think he can steal you seven points on his own. I really do. Yeah, um, question. I think you, 
you need uh, you need another winger. Your your back line needs a ton of work. <laughs> um, I don't envy the the person um, you know who has to kind of improve that back line. But I I just think there's there's um, there's probably just going to be enough talent brought in for them to to get into the playoffs. I don't know. Um, you know, I think it takes time for that talent to kind of mesh, to come together. And I'm not saying this is exactly going to be the same, but you do think back to, to, to 2015, yep. you know, when they bring in Javinko and Altador and it just, it's good, but it doesn't completely click. Um, so I think there's, I, I just think that again, like who, who knows, like I, I would like yeah. to reserve a little bit of judgment because if, if the, if they, if Josie Altador is is back as a designated player, and and if you know if it depending on who they add and depending on what their backline looks like, like Richie Larea is a massive loss, massive loss, yeah. You know, like um, I, I there's so many questions about this roster, but if things trend the way they do or the way they have been, I think fifth feels right. I I don't know if there's a playoff win this year, but I think there's just going to be enough quality to kind of get them across the finish line yeah yeah that's a that's a very fair shout i i also feel the same way i think best case scenario we pull a sounders like the usual sounders where we're kind of middling to poor to maybe fair until the summer transfer window and then we're on fire and we just cruise right to a to a deep playoff run um yeah yeah absolutely absolutely Uh, i guess uh guess we've probably done up our, our 20 minutes with you but uh i do did want to quickly ask about richie uh just yeah. way out here uh, because like you said that is a big loss for for toronto fc but from an overall um richie larea perspective how big is this move for him and a chance to kind of test himself in in you know a very good level in england you know i i think back a lot to um my friend and all yours uh jimmy grassi you know i remember the first day of training camp 2019 when we were allowed anywhere near the players um and we all kind of walked into the the bubble um in the in the back it was january or whatever in 2019 and we walked into the bubble and and got the first look at the guys just you know players just jogging around and stuff and you're kind of you're hobnobbing with everyone and you're chit-chatting and it's all great and everyone's back and uh jimmy and i just out of kind of the corner of our eye we just kind of at the same time like is that Richie Larea? Right? Is, is Richie Larea in 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 TFC training camp? Like, are, you know, and we're kind of like checking out Twitter, and um, it was kind of like the Dom Dwyer thing this year. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but we were nowhere near the player, um, and so yeah, you know, it's kind of it, it obviously gets confirmed, and you talk to Greg about it, and um, I just think about that's 2019. So that's three years ago, a player that was like on life support, earning MLS league minimum. And now he's moving to a championship side. And I think, you know, that I I, I think he probably could have, I think he got other offers, but I think Richie still sees things as, sees it as kind of a stepping stone. Um, You know, I, I know it's kind of an overused term, but like, way to bet on yourself. Like I have nothing yep. but respect for Richie Larea. You know, he was, he was at times their most electric player, you know, through some pretty lean times in 20 and 21. Yep. Um, you know, it, I, I remember 
you know, having some great kind of conversations with Greg Vanny about him and, and how, you know, he could see the kind of desperation, you know, with Richie being a brand new father and, and, yeah, you know, yeah. needing to just provide. And I, you know, I, 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 that, that obviously hits me as my son wails against trying to take a nap. Uh, <laughs> he's not going to sleep, Josh. I don't think so. <laughs> no, he's waiting. He's yeah. He's waiting for the next transfer to come through. So <laughs> nothing but, uh, nothing but respect for Richie because he's just, he's literally like he, he needed one, one person, Greg Vanny to kind of believe in him. Yeah. He literally did it all. And look, he, if it's me, I, I struggle with it, but like I think, depending on who you're playing, I also put him in Canada's starting eleven. Like mm-hmm. I just think his 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 ascent has been that rapid, and and kudos to him because he's he's literally done it all, nearly all himself. It's going to be a great chapter in Come On You Reds uh, Part Two. I expect it. I expect that chapter because it's a, it's a hell of a story, hell yeah. of a story, and and it's it's wonderful to have been witness to to even the the little the the middle act that we got to enjoy absolutely absolutely well thank you so much for for joining us josh we'll let you get back to uh father duties there (laughs) i kind of wish i could still i kind of wish i could (laughs) well hopefully well fingers crossed school's opening up uh i think it's next monday so hopefully uh hopefully it'll be off uh soon we'll see we'll see cheers josh yeah take care guys okay kind of cut him off there i feel bad about that um anyway that was uh enlightening so it's always nice to to chat with josh and uh yeah. man we need we need part two of that book pretty soon man because there's a lot there's been a lot of stuff <laughs> going stuff, on yeah. since uh since the last one last one ended it sounded like we were interviewing him at the bemo training ground there for a bit trains <laughs> going overhead and all kinds of stuff but no i i think uh still as always a lot of good insight from josh on all things Toronto FC. And yeah, I mean, we still have plenty to talk about. We got into, we didn't even scratch the surface almost with him in, in what, like Not 20 really. plus minutes. So we've got a, we've got a lot to, to go on to here. Um, yeah. Let's, let's go into, to Richie Larea a little bit, I think. Um, sure. And, sure. and his impact on the club and, and heading obviously now to, to Nottingham forest. Um, yeah, I know the club obviously wanted to keep him and reportedly made him a big contract offer that would have made him one of, if not the highest fullback in Major League Soccer. So there was a clear point to, to want to keep him. I think Stephen Caldwell made a made a very interesting point uh, on uh, Devang Desai's podcast, a uh, football podcast um, this week, which was, it's been a bit of an awkward uh, couple months for Richie Larea because you know, obviously Toronto FC has given him so much and given him this platform to to take himself to this level, but he really did want to test himself in Europe. So it was both acknowledging what Toronto FC has done for him, but also being like, guys, I, I need to take this chance. I, you know, this is my window of opportunity. And to, yep. to steal another point from, from Christian Jack, I believe it was, like he's 27, so he's older than most players who are going over to Europe. And usually they're looking a little younger, but this is a guy who's, only been playing fullback for a couple of years and is still learning the position and still developing. So I think Nottingham Forest have, have made a really solid move here. And I think this is a good level for him where uh, he's going to get an opportunity to take the next step in his career. As long as we don't talk about the uh, the cup tie 
that was a few days ago. I'm, I'm okay with this conversation. Well, he might burn my Leicester City next, so I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to say anything before. <laughs> I mean, it was a fantastic signing by by not yeah. Forest. You know, the, the price that they paid reportedly, you know, about one million dollars US is is pretty great business, especially when you consider the fact that Richie Larez really only emerged onto the scene as kind of you and KJ mentioned about two years ago, maybe three years ago now. Um, as a legitimate, you know, MLS player. And he really became, you know, he was going to be paid like it, but he really became like the best fullback in Major League Soccer, if not one Without of the question. best fullbacks in Major League Soccer. Um, and I think, yeah, every time we kind of see Luigi Loria play, whether it is with TFC or on the national team stage, he just seems to raise his game to a different level. And and what I really like about Richie and why I think this move is going to work out at in England and the championship is he has this toughness about him. Mm-hmm. He has this don't mess with me kind of toughness. I'm not going to back down. Mm-hmm. And especially in a physical league, like the championship, you know, you, championship, you need that. You absolutely need that kind of edge, that swagger. And, and Rich Luria has that. And I'm excited to see him test himself now at, at a different level. And I wouldn't be surprised if Richie goes on and, and, you know, kills it at Nottingham and makes another move in, in a year or two, because I think that's kind of the trajectory he's been on. So we'll see kind of how that plays out. Or they get promoted and he doesn't have to go anywhere. But it, it's interesting because he landed in a really good spot for his skill set. I mean, this this is a club that likes to play with wide attacking fullbacks that bomb up and down the flank. So, I mean, it's a match made in heaven. Um, they are a serious threat to for promotion. So, I mean way to go like go to the champo in a in a promotion battle like come on that that's that's dreamland for for a player like richie um i'm really glad the club didn't step, get in his way i mean this is this is kind of textbook for how because let's be honest i mean obviously i'm preaching to the choir here but i feel like it, it needs to be mentioned again and you say it all the time mike you know these guys don't want to be tfc lifers and that's okay this is where we live. This is where TFC exists in the global soccer hierarchy. And, and it's not changing anytime soon. So we have to be open to this sort of thing. Either we're mediocre and we have players that want to be lifers or we push the envelope and we lose some of our assets. And, and you know, it, it's, it's unfair. It's very North American, but it's unfair because the, I can count on one hand the amount of clubs that can claim to be the kind of environment where you know a player uh would want to make it a forever home on one hand and 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 that's in global football so to to assume that tfc is one of those teams is doing a great disservice to the ascent of this club or the or the intended ascent of this club on the global market you know and it's only going to get it's only going to get more you know as as insigne is on the lips of of every fabrizio romano and and otherwise on social media it's only like these pathways need to be explored and if you watched um, the interview with Richie's agent, I think Matthew on TSN did it. You can clearly infer um, he already had a relationship with Nottingham Forest, Nottingham Forest. So it's nice to see TFC kind of, you know, create these pathways that aren't just for academy players, but also for first teamers um, and give them an environment where, where it's an easy transfer and both the club and the player, you know, the fan base is never going to be happy, but, but the club and the player are are satisfied to to a certain degree so um that's a really good you point, know Jeff. yeah you, you really can't well you can't get you cannot that. get into the way here you cannot do it or you are kneecapping yourself and 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 For that's sure. the most important thing here 
Yeah. Another thing I'll mention is it's not just, you know, TFC. Obviously, it's great that TFC is going to kind of get this blueprint across that we've been kind of shouting for, for for quite some time now. But also, it's it's it's, it's the people before Richie Larea in Canadian soccer that kind of paved the way for him and now yep. became, you know, proof of concept kind of players with like Jim Brennan Bonzi and Jonathan <laughs> David. Well, no, yeah, maybe even Jim Brennan a little. Jim bit Brennan well. played for Nottingham Forest, and when they signed Richie, they were like, "We hope he turns out as well as Jim Brennan did." And I, I was all over saying, "Don't you worry, he's amazing." I think, <laughs> I think we're dealing with an entirely different class of player here, but yeah, for yeah. sure. But anytime now that this, this, I think the agent also said this. Anytime now that uh, you hear a Canadian and you offer up a Canadian to another club, they're listening because oh, that's yeah. the direction that the game is heading and everyone sees the the come up that Canada's making and you're making noise there in FIFA World Cup qualifying finishing ahead of Mexico ahead of the US you know people see this yep. overseas they're like that that's money that's literally money that they can make and another point I just quickly want to make is TFC did maintain a sell on fee for Richie Larea mm-hmm. albeit you know I'm not sure how much no. that is but regardless that is uh you know, again, more money that could potentially be coming in. So it's a it's a know. big boy transfer as opposed to the piecemeal stuff that we've that we've been accused of over the years or blocking blocking player movement. I mean, this is a big boy proper transfer. We didn't get in the way. We got what we could out of the situation. We opened a pathway. We weren't getting. You know, we weren't coming in like the Satel. It's different when you're buying a player versus selling a player. But this was really, really measured, well, well approached you know, professional bit of business here. Speaking of money coming in, the other departure this week, Dom Dwyer. This one <laughs> was an absolute masterclass in MLS moving goalposts, I think, because first first and foremost, I think we all expected Dwyer to be back next year just because, one, he was under contract. Two, it, it seemed like a favorable deal if, from what we knew of it in terms of he was pretty close to that league minimum um, at that price tag why not have him on the roster as kind of another striker who can fill in late in games or or when you need him then we find out uh he's been traded for the purpose of buyout which (laughs) for for a third overall super draft pick and all of us are are kind of thinking oh that seems like a massive overpay we know tron obviously want to maintain that buyout potentially to use on another much bigger uh contract in in the coming weeks but we also were pretty shocked because, again, there can be plenty of value still found in, in the MLS Super Draft. It's still a place where, I mean, you want to talk Canadian men's national team, Alistair Johnson, yep. Dane St. Clair, and Tejon Buchanan are three guys who have come through in, in recent years. So there's still value mm-hmm. to be found there. Then we find out what he's was actually supposed to be making next year, which was significantly higher than we thought. And now it kind of looks like a much better deal for Toronto FC in the sense that they get out of that contract they get some general allocation money back and that's about as good as getting, you know, what $400,000 player that you would get maybe in the super draft anyway. So um, yeah, again, just one of those MLS deals that absolutely just moved as, oh, as we learned little details. I, I, I don't think we know everything because from where we're sitting, it just seems completely categorically insane from every angle. It does not make sense. I mean, why would you, backloaded deal when you already have the Josie Albatross contract that is perpetually a buyout risk. It makes no sense. There must have been something else going on that we're not privy to because it really paints that the people that were responsible for that deal in a pretty horrific light. Uh, and, and and so, you know, these, these, it's, whoa, whoa, they, whoa, they can't, whoa, whoa. 
We Dude. remember back on the show how many people were vouching for Dom Dwyer and hoping <laughs> that Dom Dwyer came to Toronto FC. At 85k, it's fantastic. No one knew the price. No one knew the price until the end of the year. It was that, assumed. That's, that's, another, that's another MLS. Uh, that's another. MLS. I mean, yeah, I mean, no Josh. Josh said it. Josh said it himself that Dwyer, you know, Dwyer's situation in preseason training reminded him of Richie. So there was definitely a proof of concept. I think everybody expected that if he signed with the club, it was going to be on one of those Richie, you know, redemption arcs where we were paying him the league minimum. And so that was that was sort of confirmed when the salary came out. But then you, you know, the 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 rationale for signing a guy coming off an injury as potentially career ending as that for two years guaranteed the first year being at league minimum, the second year being at insanity makes no sense. It makes no sense. Like, you know, I've, I've always been the guy that says if I had been in the room in 2019 with the Josmer uh, uh, resigning, I would have done it a hundred times out of a hundred, you know, let, let, let bygones be bygones. I don't see how anybody agrees to do this with Dom Dwyer. You know, it wasn't like we had zero strikers. We weren't dealing with that, with the injury stuff yet. And like I said, we have we've got the perpetual end of season buyout hanging over Josie every year. This wasn't a new thing. So so that contract with the supposition that you know twenty twenty though hindsight is twenty. Would you ever sign that deal? I mean, would you ever sign a two year deal to a to a player coming back from injury? One and done I mean, with a club option. I mean, it's it's a player that was a designated player in this league in the past. It's a player who's more prolific goal scorer in Major League Soccer than Josie Altador. One hundred percent. Yeah, I understand. I understand the line of thinking, but in hindsight, like it was one of the worst contracts ever. Especially ever. when you consider when you, especially when you consider the fact that he had no goals and what nobody have, wanted him shots on target. He, and yeah, at that price, why would you want him after a terrible year? But it was a it was a gamble that. Let's say hypothetically he comes he 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 went he came to TFC and he scored, you know, nine goals last season, ten goals last season. Then you're looking at that contract being like, okay, that's actually pretty decent value if for a player that brings a lot of toughness on the pitch, a player that brings a good mentality from everything that I've heard, um, and a player who's proven. So, you know, like yes, obviously hindsight is one of the worst contracts ever. And but at the time, like you can kind of sort of understand the line of thinking, not justifying that the, the decision was right. Obviously, clearly it wasn't right. And mm-hmm. that's kind of been, I'm happy you kind of brought this up because that's kind of been the MO of TFC's offseason right now. And it is, it's correcting Ali Curtis mistakes. You look at the super draft and, and not the super draft, the expansion draft. And the mm-hmm. players that were exposed in that expansion draft were Kamar Lawrence, Dom Dwyer, and you yeah. know a couple other guys that, obviously not worth mentioning right now, but those two players, those are two of the three, four signings that Ali Curtis, three signings Ali Curtis made last year. The other one being Jefferson Soteldo. Yep. And we know kind of what the direction the team is heading in kind of that regard. So this whole off season so far, we haven't really got it into the off season because it's just been sort of correcting Ali Curtis mistakes. And that's kind of what Bill Manning touched on um in his, his media availability is that he wasn't happy with the direction the club was heading last September when he went in and met with the MLSC board. So that's kinda it's it's a little bit of a yeah, it's a little bit of a it's, mess it's, that Bill company it's, has. It's also revisionist history because we're again ignoring the pandemic, right? 
that they Ali or nobody like forget about Ali like the team could not travel to Brazil to meet with Jefferson Soteldo in a way that they were able to do when they were courting Insigne so you know bad business absolutely um but you cannot remove the COVID from the algorithm and that seems to be what revisionist history is doing right like um there has to be there has to be an allowance for that there absolutely has to you can't hold this guy over the coals for doing a bad job presupposing that he had the exact same avenues of pursuing the player and courting the player that he would in the before times because he didn't the team didn't and so they made several concessions to how they like to recruit and they got bit for them they got hosed for them but that bring it back to the dwyer situation the guys there in, tra in training with you you offer him a one deal with club option and he says no i prefer two years guaranteed your response has to be you know what I mean? Like, yeah. really? You want two years guaranteed? When's the last time you played? Didn't your knee explode? Like, I can't, that's why the logic seems so insane to me and why I'm searching for something that I that we don't know to kind of explain it away. Because who who gives that deal? You know? Oh, by yeah, you know, oh, for sure. It'll be somebody else's problem next year when you get a 400% pay raise, right? Like, it just, it makes no sense. Especially considering that the one, deal, you know, Colorado has re-signed their entire backline on one deal with club options. The Drew Moores, the Stephen Datashores, the the Dom Dwyers. I mean, that's a, that's a player that's basically, if you look up the, you open the, the MLS dictionary and it says players that deserve one deal with club options, it would have Dom Dwyer's picture right beside it. So why did we give him two years guaranteed? It makes no sense. You know, sometimes... Sometimes MLS having too much money results in, in weirdo deals like this, right? Sometimes it means Insigne, but sometimes it means what the hell were we thinking? And and this has to be one of those. This definitely goes in that column. I think it just simply boils down to they thought he'd be better than he was. Like, that's why yeah. they signed it. They thought well, that's horrible. That's horrible recruitment. Why do you give a guy who's coming off a potential career ending injury that nobody well, else in MLS wants? Well, I, mean, I don't know about that. Yeah, we don't know that no one else in MLS wanted him. We just know that it was most convenient to to play for Toronto FC at that point. So, I mean, okay. yeah, that's it, fair. It, it, it that's just, fair. It just, yeah, again, it simply comes down to a massive overrating of how good Dom Dwyer is at this stage in his career. And, um, yeah, clearly, I think we can all move on saying one of the weirder and bigger mistakes that Toronto FC's made signing wise in in recent years, if not. Yep, yep. And the watch biggest. the third pick be messy. Another mess. I mean, we're, gar it's, we're guaranteed. I don't think that that's how the super draft works, but I'm not sure anymore. I don't think you can just pick Lionel Messi, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it'll just be a younger, better Messi. Absolutely. Yeah, but, but let's Absolutely. let's talk a little bit about that Bill Manning press conference, and maybe <laughs> here we go. <laughs> we're learning from from that, and and what Toronto offseason plan is for the rest of the offseason, because obviously. We're at the start here. They have the architect in place. They have the the centerpiece of what they want to build this team around now in place. But we all know from here, like the blueprints are far from complete. The the foundation of the club is is clearly rocked by what happened this past season. So, what is Toronto FC doing to try and you know restore that foundation? Let's let Mike take this because I promised a whole lot of people that missed uh, the Twitter Spaces that he would revisit. His story time, just talking about uh, uh, how the wheels were set in motion towards this Insigne deal. I know a lot more has come out, but at the very least, Michael can can sort of set the table with respect to checking transfer marked for for whose whose contract time. is. I love story time with Mike. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go, go Mike. Guys. 
Um, no, if we want to talk about the Lorenzo Insigne bit, um, yeah, for, for Bill Manning, this was something, as I mentioned, um, he wasn't happy with the direction that the club was heading in, in the summer. And, you know, we kind of touched on, you know, the pressure not only being on, on Kylie Curtis at the time, but also realistically the pressure is on Bill Manning because mm -hmm. you obviously have the pandemic that you're dealing with, but this team has lost its buzz, has lost a lot of um, hype around the city, with especially with the way the direction other teams in Toronto are heading. And with the, the World Cup right around the corner in 2022, and, and as Bill Manning cited, World Cup 2026 coming to Toronto, he had to lay out a vision that kind of sees Toronto FC get back to where we all know it could be. And that is, you know, being one of the most ambitious teams in Major League Soccer and being really the, the talk of the town when the World Cup does come here. And I think he wanted to kind of, he sees the direction that Canada soccer is heading and he wanted to kind of match that and, and see why not can't TF, why can't TFC be the, the talk of the club version of, of Canada mm -hmm. soccer. So he went to MLSC in September, which is when the Lorenzo Insigne talks kind of begun. And he had this vision of, of bringing in this, this absolute superstar. Um, mm -hmm. There's no way, there's no way other way about it. In terms of MLS, Lorenzo Insigne is an absolute superstar. He had a list of players, and he said that Lorenzo Insigne is at the top of that that list. So he laid out this vision to MLSE, and from my understanding, you know MLSE was all on board for this vision, and clearly they were because they they backed him with a significant financial investment um, <laughs> doing that. Right. So, um, and a funny story, Jeff, as you mentioned, like Manning was watching the Euros and obviously with the way the Italian national team uh, was doing and, you know, they won the European championships. He decided to go on transfer market. He said the transfer market website, maybe it was a different website, but it sounds like it was transfer market to see what players were coming at a contract from that team. And of course he stumbled across Lorenzo Insigne. And from that point on, he kind of made him his, his prime target. Obviously there's a lot more research and whatnot that goes into, into that, you know, push to get insane. I mean, even if there isn't, it's amazing. Who cares? Like, what's this? Yeah. It, it, does it matter if he found him on the website or if a scout came and said, "Hey, by the way, you know, Lorenzo Insigne's contract is uh, is coming due at Napoli, and they're in a bit of financial they're in a bit of a financial pickle, so you can definitely throw your weight around, and we may be able to land this guy, right?" Like, yeah, yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. Regardless, that's kind of like the way that he found it, and which is adorable. A, a I love it. On Manning at all or <laughs> no. anything like that, because like that, what you got to use your resources, right? Yeah. And so that that's great that they they did that, and this was a, a long time coming. And the the actual transfer obviously took place officially in the new year, but between September and the new year, there was quite a bit of negotiations going on, and specifically they 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 got Andrea D'Amico to kind of help lead those negotiations and another gentleman, which is kind of slipping something about the, my mind right now, his name. Um, but the, essentially the first time that Insigne met with, with D'Amico, his agent met with D'Amico, um, he told Manny that they felt it was destiny that this kind of deal love would, it. would come true. Um, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of Cubs throughout this process also trying to court Insigne, but the whole time Manny kind of felt that TFC were, they had, if they weren't leading the race, they are right up there is essentially what he said. Um, but no one could really, you know, they had significant offers according to Manning, but no one could really try or match what TFC were, were kind of offering at the table. And it's the whole package again, it's the community, it's the, yep. 
it's the ambition this club has it's the fact that they've won recently there's a there's a whole package that goes into here and of course there's the financial sum too so yeah um yeah i think it's a it was overall just a a long process that eventually came to fruition um in december and january and now we're we're seeing the first piece of the puzzle kind of or second piece as, as manning said the first piece is bob bradley the second piece yep. is Signe. And now it's going to be the pieces they surround sort of those players with. So I think over these next couple of weeks, we're going to see quite a bit of movement, whether that's these players coming in or players going out of the club. And I'm excited to see kind of just how this Bob Bradley, Bill Manning decide they, they want to go with this roster because we're in the middle of a significant rebuild with Toronto FC. And the biggest question for me right now is, is this rebuild going to happen in time for them to compete in 2022, which I'm, I'm not sold on quite yet. Um, mm -hmm. They said this vision is sort of long-term, so we'll see kind of how that plays out. Another interesting tidbit from that press conference is, or it might've been with the interview with TSN, I can't remember off the top of my head, but Manning said that he's interested in a couple of players on the Canadian men's national team, Toronto FCR. Um, which is oh, pretty, here I pretty, just heard yeah. Junior Hoylet and, <laughs> and I and I melted, but that's besides the yeah. point. That's a, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. what Mitch and I were saying. Was the first kind of names that popped to mind there. Obviously, you have the Milan Borian rumors, but also yeah, Daniel Henry and Junior. No, Hoylet. <laughs> no, those are what? those are a couple <laughs> names right there that potentially that's what Manning's looking at, and that's what his team is looking at in terms of of transfers because. Both those guys, I think, are going to be out of contract at the end of the season. Daniel might actually be out of contract right now. I could be wrong about that. He took uh, Suwon uh, Blue Wings off his bio. He's, so he's I, not I think out of he's... contract. Oh, what? but, he, Sorry, but he's not on the team anymore. Sort of. Okay. <laughs> Mitch is trying not to not to reveal any anything he knew. I mean, let, let, let that, that's a beautiful segue to the fact that between uh, the three of us, we heard rumblings about Lorenzo Insigne months and months and months ago. And every time we talked, we were like, "No way! This, this is <laughs> yeah. com this is complete fantasy." I mean, this is why I'm still sort of not believing it. Um, which one of us has Bill on speed dial so we can tell him to avoid Daniel Henry? <laughs> because I don't want that. I don't want that at all. Um, uh, what was I going to say? I, don't know. Uh, I feel like he gets a, a little bit of a hard rep. Like he's not, obviously he's really prone to making some egregious errors. And and, you know, and he, that's he, sort he, of he our MO. Like so He feels like he's a completely mm -hmm. different player than he was when he was with Toronto, obviously. So. I don't know. At this point right now, how do you say no to a center back? <laughs> Any center back. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You don't. You don't. 100%. I'm, I'm almost with Mike on this. Like, I actually think when, when we look back at this uh, qualifying window for Canada as a whole, like the role that Daniil Henry's played is going to be a lot bigger than we all think about it in the sense that he had that game away against the United States where he really held things in check. Like he's played his role so perfectly. Even that game against Mexico where they brought him on for the first 30 minutes just to kick the heck out of all the players. Oh, like, that was a masterstroke and yeah. then get his card and then yeah. sub him out. Yeah, and that then was... get him out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that this is a player that's significantly, significantly better than the player that um, Toronto FC departed to West Ham via Cyprus or whatever the heck happened in that, uh, in that <laughs> scenario. So I do think, I do think that that one isn't, 
completely out of the question. You're falling into the trap, Mitch, because you're just bringing up his good games, but you've forgotten all of the really, really, really bad ones where he was he was just terrible. And and yeah, I'm not going to let you do that, man. I'm not. I, I think gotta, he just I, has I like you moments. too much. I think he's significantly better than than yeah. You're you're um, making him out to be. I think he's been. He was one of the best players on the Whitecaps when he joined them, and I from all accounts in Korea has been quite, quite good. And I think we've seen that with the national team as well. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I still think it would be a decent signing if they make it. He's the third center back option on the Canadian men's national team right now. It's, it's all it'd be a good commercial signing too. If we want to mm-hmm. talk about commercial signings as well. That's fair. Um, I'd rather have Ulster Johnson. Like, let me just <laughs> let the record show that I'd rather, I'd rather have him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you got to work with what you're, you're dealing with and I don't know, we'll see kind of how this, this whole, um, Canadian men's national team targeting kind of unfolds, but, um, at least something to note and yeah, it's, it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be a busy week. I think here with TFC, um, busy couple of weeks, perhaps with a lot Masood of suit is right. Henry so. and Mavinga together, red card central in the 97th <laughs> minute. Yep. Without question, all the red cards, just, just hacking at people. Um, are we going to let Mike get away with dropping that bomb where he was insinuating that players are on the way out and players are on the way in? Or are we just gonna <laughs> gonna leave that and just let people stew on it in the in the background until next Tuesday? Yeah, you guys can stew on it. Because we've got about it. I thought we were gonna Go. talk about uh, his own gaming company hyping him up in the comments. I feel like that. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We got yeah, other no. podcasts asking us for for tips right now. That that did not go on deaf ears, Mike. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, <laughs> he just blocked them. I love that. <laughs> he blocked his he blocked his own company. My yeah. goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what else do we got on this on this crazy rundown right here? I mean, we haven't talked about uh, uh, Clanahan. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to to get there because I think that's a uh, that's definitely something worth worth talking about on this week's show, which is obviously the fact that uh, the league's commissioner David Clanahan stepped down and stepped down. Clanahan. 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 No, I said Clanahan. So oh. you're right, Clanahan. Oh, okay. Clanahan. Yeah, Brendan yeah. Clanahan. Um, <laughs> as, 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 uh, as the uh, <laughs> the league's commissioner and has also been awarded an expansion franchise in the Windsor Essex area. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's two sides to this, which is one, like, I think you do need to acknowledge all the good work that Clanikin did in terms of building this league into what it is. 100%. It is an incredible, um, you know, eight team league. That's I think succeeding far beyond what we would have expected it to at this point, especially shepherding the league through a global pandemic like i do think that is a massive massive accomplishment and i do think in terms of builders of canadian soccer his name definitely deserves to be mentioned at the same time i do think this league has very often succeeded you know kind of in spite of itself and sure i think there's a lot of moments where um they've gotten lucky or just the fact that canadian soccer is headed in such a good trajectory has has helped them out when they on their own maybe didn't deserve uh the same Ooh. level and i also i also do think that uh, you know a club like forge fc and all the investment they've made and and just in general um leading making the waves in the, is, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. champions making league in the region, making waves yeah. in terms of signings i mean can we talk about taron campbell and Jaffa for signing like that's incredible i think that's helped the league in, in big ways when you know that's gone beyond the league office so yeah i 
yeah, I, th- I think it I think it probably was time for a change with all also mentioning the fact that Planikin deserves plenty of credit. And I think yep. that a lot of people have come out and made it pretty clear that they want someone who's even though Planikin has typified himself as a soccer guy, they want someone who really understands the sport to be the next commissioner. And I think that's a very fair shout. Danny Dicchio. He's got he's he's free. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, there's so many people making those parallels just because of uh, <laughs> yeah, just because of how things have gone. I think I think in terms of the timing from what I'm hearing, that doesn't make sense, but I don't have any. Jefferson Soteldo, new commissioner. There you go. <laughs> I did it all for you. Uh, um, no, you very well, very well said, Mitch. Very well said. I I think you know uh, it's gotta be exhausting uh the last two years trying to trying to keep the league afloat. You know what I mean? And, and he had a mandate to build it, not to maintain it. So sometimes I, I, you got to think you got to have an exit strategy. And maybe this was the exit strategy to shepherd it to the next act, its next phase, and and leave it in a better place than when you when you came in. But, but, but make room for somebody who's much more uh, comfortable with the soccer side of things. You know what I mean? Now that now that the league has a footing to stand on, you have somebody that that is maybe capable that isn't such a such a businessman and is more of a dreamer. Right. Because, you know, there had to be much of serious fiscal responsibility at the, when, when the league was starting up to to the detriment of the league almost, you know, like you, you can't spend money you don't have. And, and I think that now they're in a position where, you know, they're they're willing to open up the floodgates to more. Uh, synergistic marketing and that sort of thing. They're established enough in there in, in each city that they can start to, you know, pound the pavement for wineries and, and breweries and all that sort of fun stuff and food trucks and that kind of thing. And, and, and that requires much more of a, a charismatic personality. It's not, it's not pure business. It's, it's much more front facing. So, so, you know, I, I, I do think that, that, all signs point to a, a different epoch. Like this is act two of the CPL, right? Yeah. You have any, you have anything on this, Mike? Or No, I, I just like the the fact that he is going to be going to the Windsor Essex uh, mm. community. And I think that's, that's a community that I know for a long time has been <laughs> passionate, yeah. passionate mm. soccer fans. And I have no doubt in my mind that that's going to be one that really succeeds here in, in Southern Ontario and mm-hmm. kind of the way that this, this sort of plays out. And I'm interested to see kind of what what happens here in terms of them getting a franchise um, and kind of how soon they can pass, possibly get a franchise there because I think it's going to be one of the successful ones. And I think it's going to be one that uh, a lot of players and, and, and coaches and everyone making that trip down will enjoy because I, I do like going to that part of, uh, Oh yeah. Part of Ontario. Yeah. Come yeah. for the footy, stay for the, stay for the pizza, man. Canned mushrooms, shredded pepperoni. Ah. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a, there is something to be said for the prevalence of Ontario, uh, squads in the CPL. Um, but that's opening a whole Pandora's box with respect to, you know, listen, it's not easy to get something Operation, off the ground man. in Quebec. Uh, and, uh, and you know, Windsor has an infrastructure uh, and that means a lot. It means a lot. Uh, the city fathers are probably quite excited about putting money into this venture and that can't be understated, right? Like pie in the sky, we'd love to see it spread out, but it's a much tougher sell in more rural areas in with different in different provinces with different kind of mandates for how they spend public money than Ontario, where where you know this sort of thing 
is is absolutely right right in the bullseye of of how our government likes to spend its public chatter. So you know there there's always more going on than 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 just simply you know the pie in the sky. Want this? Why can't it happen? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Fun fact too for that community. You know who's from uh, that Windsor Essex community? Canadian national team player. Pop quiz. I don't know. Steven Estacchio. Yeah, Leamington. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ontario native Steven Estacchio from that Windsor Essex community. So I just know it has a lot of big, a lot of grassroots clubs there. And it has a lot of, you know, there was like a back in the day, a CSL team there that was uh, pretty well regarded. And there's a lot of clubs there that are kind of well regarded. So I'm excited that they got a club. I think they're going to take full advantage of that whenever that does come to fruition. Me yeah. too. Me too. And Corey is telling us, you know, Windsor already has a stadium at the university. It's it's not soccer specific though, and I do mm-hmm. believe that 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 was stressed in his outgoing uh, round of press interviews. That 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 was one hoop that they have to jump through, which is the construction or the repurposing of a of an existing facility as soccer specific, which I think is interesting because MLS at one point had that as a mandate but then obviously life got in the way and they kept having expansion teams in 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 manhattan where that was never ever ever gonna happen um and and then they abandoned that you know it's not it's not such a it's not such a priority for new expansion now is the is the soccer specific stadium and then you look at you know chicago fire as an example moving from their soccer specific stadium which happened to be in the middle of nowhere back to the city center to a non-soccer specific stadium with the league's blessings so you know, it, it, I, I'm not going to lie. I think that the that this idea that you know a team needs to have a soccer specific stadium is a bit is a bit short sighted, especially considering the amount of people that that Canadian Premier League matches tend to accrue. I I just think a place where warm bodies can go is priority number one, right? And then wor- worry about everything else later. Like you, you can't keep putting these these pratfalls. I I appreciate that it's an attempt to divine how serious the bid is, you know, like, uh, are you willing to build this thing? But there are better ways to do that that aren't mm-hmm. so cost prohibitive. And I, and I just think it, it limits, you know, who maybe wants to take a flyer on, on, on the CPL, right? Like that's a huge cost outlay and it's not coming from your own pocket. It requires you to start negotiating with the mayor of the town and, and, and the city fathers and all that sort of thing. And, and then it gets complicated. So I, I do think that, that, they may have to revisit that in the very near future because it's it it seems a, a tough ask, you know, when when it, it could you know potential bids could be successful without that in 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 most cases. So hmm. I also think yeah, it's gonna be a whole show about that. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, be an interesting yeah. time for Canadian uh, Canadian Premier League expansion as well because so many of these teams want to get themselves on the ground and running up before twenty twenty six. So. Yeah, I think yeah. That, I think it's going to be a, an interesting time for the league, just discerning which places they should go to, how important stuff like soccer-specific stadiums are. Like, it's going to be massively interesting over the next little bit for for this next so generation of the Canadian Premier League. So, whoever takes over has a has, of course, a lot of work still to do. But uh, Michael, sorry for cutting you off there. You seem to have one last point or something to to mention. No, no, no. I was just saying oh, that we can oh, actually have a yeah. whole episode on yeah. that little table. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, That's absolutely. Would, if we were to start, that would uh, that would go on an extra <laughs> yeah. extra hour here. We're already an hour yeah. and ten minutes in, but we do want to get fair. to a couple couple other things. Obviously, today, um, big big TFC news, really, um, mm-hmm. with the addition of of another homegrown signing in, in Luca Petrasso. Mm-hmm. 
um 21 year old left back and i watched a lot of a lot of tfc2 you know last year and he's good he he's solid he's mm. he's very mm-hmm. solid i think he's very smart on the ball i think he makes good decisions and i think he's in general just a very solid sure player mm. um excellent crosser of the ball um, i'm excited to see kind of how he gets deployed there but that being said the one kind of reservation that i have is, is his pace at this point hmm. um can he keep up with the mls style of game which you know is a lot of bit of, you know it's a lot of athleticism and speedy wingers and pacey wingers and all of that so um that's my only reservation i'm assuming he starts with the mls next pro team um so we'll kind of see how that evolves also can confirm i know a lot of other people put that out there but i can confirm tfc are also going to offer a contract to kobe franklin and this is one i'm really excited about yeah yeah, uh, yeah. this is a guy who who played with Jaden nelson and, and jaquille marshall and ralph preso on that canadian u17 team he's an 18 year old defender and he looked like a real leader last year in TFC too. I think he was actually nominated for Defender of the Year. He was definitely he nominated was, yeah. for, for Young Player of the Year. Um, and he was he was excellent with, with that TFC2 team at just 18 years of age. So I want to see kind of how he continues his evolution here. And I know that that contract will be in the works. And probably, if not later today, then, then tomorrow, I'm assuming they get that announced. That Exciting times, man. Signing a homegrown mm-hmm. deal with TFC. Uh, TFC. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to put too much pressure on the kid, but I think in in a small way, like this makes next messy. No, (laughs) 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 well, well, they gave up those super draft picks, so there's no yeah, 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 yeah. messy now. But um, I do think this makes the Richie Larea departure a little more palatable because I think he has a right sided fullback. Like obviously they already have Arrow there, but as a deputy to Arrow, like this kid's good. This kid's got all the talent to be an an MLS fullback. So um, I, I think that in in some ways. For, for the next few years again arrows young this guy's got yep. uh, they've got some cover there now this is this is this, this brings us to one, one thing that we haven't mentioned which is there's a lot there's a lot of shouts out there on social media for like we need one of everything you know we're, we're not deep enough at, at at fullback obviously we need a, a ton of center backs like no one is no one is going to to argue with that but i'm finding some of these calls are like overloading our roster right like do we need another midfielder right now honestly do we you know how how thin are we really at 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 fullback now considering we've got a natural fullback at both sides and guys that can easily deputize now like are we are we getting too ambitious remember we need center backs don't tell me we need center backs i'm well aware we need center backs but but you know i'm seeing these calls for um you know we need another winger on 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 the right side now I mean, where are we going to put the guys we already have, right? So it's just it it occurs to me that that there are a lot of calls for because we've been so aggressive in this rebuild that now people want to buy everyone. So <laughs> it's just it's just something that I've noticed. You don't disagree? Yeah. I didn't mean to kill the conversation dead, you boys. No, it's it. I don't. Yeah, I don't really have like obviously people are in, on social media are going to call for everything, but. Mm. yeah i just want there is a lot that that needs to be added and i want to see how this kind of plays out i i I think they definitely need still another fullback at least um do you and i still obviously yeah i definitely do i don't Mm -hmm. i don't trust the no offense to like these young guys but do you trust um homegrown signings to come in right away and and be able to play a backup role i not sure i necessarily do yet 
could, okay. could Jaden Nelson at two years ago come in and play a backup role for TFC? We saw what happened when Greg Vanny started him that one game against New York City FC in his first game. Sure did. Right? So it's a fair point. Being one of the best clubs in, in Major League Soccer, then absolutely you need that depth. And you could always loan these players to TFC2, whatever they're going to call the next pro league. So, yeah, fair I, point. I absolutely do think that, uh, you know, they still need uh, quite a bit. Um, I know some guys in the chat are asking us about a lot of, a lot of different. Yeah, no, it's it's on fire. Yeah, yeah, them. yeah. Um, so I'll start with with this one. Uh, Crescito is something I've mentioned for for quite some time. Um, latest update that I have is that deal is not done yet, um, but TFC obviously remained uh, really interested in the player. Um, who else? That's the interesting here? one because he's really good friends with Insigne, right? So the idea being mm-hmm. you buy his best buddy and they, and they are, uh, you know, instantly like more comfortable. There. Yeah. Remember yeah, when TFC yeah. side Javinko's brother to play for TFC too. Was that a thing that happened? <laughs> I feel like that was a thing that happened. <laughs> um, Bob Javinko? I don't remember that at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dude asking if, is Jaquil Marshall really pretty much gone? Um, no, that's, that's not what I'm hearing quite yet. No. I, I, hearing actually that Bob Bradley is a big fan of Jaquil's game and they plan on making him a big piece of this team moving forward. And I think they're going to hold off until the end of the year, until they make a move for, for Jaquil. So this could be his last season with TFC, but I do believe he will play an important role for TFC this season. Um, another player I want to mention in that kind of same light is Jacob Schaffelberg is another player I've heard that Bob is a big fan of. And how could you not be a big fan of Jacob Schaffelberg, right? Not possible. Um, cool. And then what else we got here? A lot of people are asking Mars. if Oso's leaving. Uh, we'll see. Let's kind of see how that goes. <laughs> um, pause. Any news on pause? What, Richard, I'm not sure what you don't want to know about pause, but pause is going to be coming back. I've heard he's been doing a lot of um, a lot of fitness stuff, and he's really trying to get his season back on a track after a tough year off and on the field, and TFC are, are in on pause, and I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't come back. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then, of course, as uh, the Andrea Bellotti rumors, which I know I've kind of been touching on a couple of times on our shows in the past. Um, so as of yesterday, I got an update on Andre- Andrea Bellotti, and the update is that there's there's no update, guys. There's <laughs> yeah, there's nothing right now that is on the table for TFC and Andrea Bellotti. I know that this is a player that they have touched on in the past, um, but it wasn't as imminent as some other people are making it. And I know that number wise, I'm hearing that he's way too far off of what TFC was yeah. looking at. So yeah, the numbers that are being banded around and... for his other suitors are. It's in it, you know, we can't do both and, and we wanted Insigne over Bellotti. So you may you may want to cool your jets on that one TFC land. Oh so, yeah, maybe just a little bit. Imminent whatsoever. Yeah. Um yeah. so we'll see how that kind of plays out. Obviously that a lot can change. Maybe Bellotti comes back to TFC um in a week or so, but as of now, that is that is something that's just not on the table. Well said, well put, absolutely. All right, I think uh, I think we're done question time with Mike. That's why I was extending. <laughs> to see, see what other little uh, tidbits Mike had for us. So 
we got a couple of good ones there. Obviously, some homegrown signings expected. And, uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot for TFC. Over the next oh, year. man, like, exciting times. Lot. This is like, crazy. Like Mike said, expect, I don't know as much as Mike, but expect some exits. Expect some, buckle up. some players yeah. to come in. Buckle up. This is just yeah, Don't let Mitch play it down. Mitch knows a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> don't want to play it down. Over there. Yeah, yeah. We go to Mitch for confirmation at this point. I don't know what he's talking about. Jeez. But uh, I don't yeah. know anything. <laughs> <laughs> that but that does bring us to the end of the show. Obviously, a huge thank you to Josh Cloak for stopping by, and always great to catch up with him and get his insight on all things Toronto FC. Uh, don't forget to head over to the website. We have the uh, 2021 Waking the Red Awards there. We oh, nice one. Them, thank you. Yep. Yeah. No worries. Of course, I had to get that <laughs> in. Um, no guarantees. We'll talk about it on next week's show, just because again, we know there's so many dominoes that could fall, and if they do. Um, yeah, we're, we're, I mean, it will be another show like this week. But thank you to all of you, of course, for your continued support. We've had a big Lorenzo Insigne bump as well. So if anyone's new to the show, thank you so much for joining in. And um, you know, maybe go probably, to iTunes and give us a rating and uh, and and uh, and a review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we promise there'll be plenty of more interesting times ahead. So uh, stay locked in. And on behalf of Jeffrey P. Nesker, Michael Singh, and Mitchell Tierney, have a great <laughs> week, everyone. Cheers, guys. Cheers.